Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. All right. Good morning, guys. How many of you are thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? That's what I'm talking about. Man, it's so good to see you. So good to see you here today. I've got a question for you, though. How many of you, if you're honest, would say that you want to invest in something bigger than yourself? That you want to have an investment in something that goes beyond just our life here on earth? How many of you would say that you want to do that? I think we all would agree that, that we want to invest in something bigger than ourselves. And today we're kicking off a new series called The Table. And I believe today's teaching gives us a great example of an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. An opportunity that we have to invest in something or someone far greater than anything that we could ever accomplish on our own. You know, throughout Scripture, we see many times of Jesus inviting people to the table. In the book of Luke alone, we see 10 different occasions where Jesus invites people to the table with him. We see from his disciples all the way to the sinful woman we read about in Luke 7.37. You can go back and study it at a later time. But there was so much that took place around the table with Jesus. You know, the table was a place in my home growing up where we spent most of our time. Honestly, we spent more time at our dining room table as a family than we did any other place in our home. Anybody else that way growing up? Now, I realize we're busy today. Um, you know, life's busy. Our jobs are busy. And um, many people are spending less time around the dining room table. It's a rule that I have in our home, though. We don't eat in the living room unless the Razorbacks are playing. <laughs> then we make an exception. But we, we, we eat meals at the table. It's an opportunity to slow down and, and to hear, you know, how our family's doing and, and to check in. But the table is a special place. As a child, my mom, she was a phenomenal cook. My, but her specialty was breakfast. My mom could cook the meanest homemade biscuits and gravy. I'm so hungry right now. Can you smell them? <laughs> it was so good. My friends, when they would come over and spend the night, the first thing they'd ask, they'd be like, Tim, is your mom cooking breakfast in the morning? I'd be like, yeah. Then they would stay. If not, they were gone. They'd find somebody else to go hang out with. But she, was, she was. She was an incredible cook. There was so much that took place at our table. There were multiple times that my dad would invite his workers to come have a meal with us. And most of the time it was for breakfast. And I'll never forget the look on their face, the expression on their face when they would sit down. Now, I'm sure the homemade biscuits had a little bit to do with it. But it, they just lit up. But you know where they lit up the most? It was during the invitation. You see, it was something... That if you had an invitation to our table, it's like you become part of the family. Do you realize that we're at the table together as a family now? You know, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could have a seat at the table. We're going to talk about a little bit of that today. And the importance of the invitation and, and how far God has brought us. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And I just want you to ask yourself this question. What are you investing in today that will last beyond tomorrow. And let me say it again. What are you investing in today that will last beyond tomorrow? You see, an invitation is an investment. 
It's an investment to the people that we love. It's an investment to the people around us. It's an investment to the people that we extend it to. You know, there are many things in life that we can accomplish. If we put enough work and time and effort into it, there's many things that we can accomplish in life. Would you guys agree with that? Many of those accomplishments, though, they, they don't go much further than our lifetime. I mean, it doesn't matter how much success that you experience in life or how much money that you accumulate or how big your house was or how many toys that you accumulate. At the end of our life, those things seem to just disappear. But there is an investment that we can make that will go beyond our life, that will go beyond our time here. How many sports enthusiasts do we have in the room? We got any baseball fans? I know Talon's a baseball fan. How many football fans we have in the room? All right, I'm fixing a check. We're going we're to have a little sports trivia. Now, you guys that were here the first service, don't, don't be cheating. What professional ball player played two sports, baseball and football? Not. You're supposed to at least let me get through my story. Come on, Caleb. <laughs> Did you know he wasn't elected into the Hall of Fame, though? Played both sports, but was never elected in the Hall of Fame. Was actually elected to play in the Pro Bowl for football and the All-Star Game for baseball. But was never elected to go any further than that. Now, you and I remember Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was a phenomenal athlete. And if you are our age, older. You probably glue, quit shaking your head, Clay. Come on, man. But, but you grew up watching Bo Jackson on the field. I love watching him play baseball. He had a swing like nobody. And he could literally crush a baseball and a bat over his knee. Anybody ever remember that? He's the only person I ever watched to break a baseball bat over his knee. I tried it and about broke my knee. And I was using one of those little bitty bats, you know. Phenomenal athlete. Unbelievable. He, uh, he was described by um, one man as if God had reached down and touched him and made him great. It was Bowie Long. He played baseball for the Kansas City Royals, and in his offseason, he played as a running back for the Los Angeles Raiders. But in one interview, Bo Jackson said, God blessed me with the ability to run like a spooked deer, great hand-eye coordination, and arm like a high-powered rifle. And with all of those tangibles, you have to be successful at something. Mine just fell on the baseball and football field. Well, January the 13th of 1991, Bo Jackson was running up the sideline and was tackled from behind. And during that tackle, it actually dislocated his hip. Doctors said that if it would have happened or if it would have occurred to a normal athlete, or to you and I, it probably wouldn't have caused as much damage. But due to his, his physical strength and the speed that he had, it tore his hip out of socket, like ripped it out of socket. Did some extensive damage. You know, the, the critics said, well, he'll never return. He'll never be able to play ball. He'll never do anything. He walked out of the locker room on March the 18th of 1991, vowing to, I will be back. Of course, everybody said he'll never make it back. They ended up having to do complete surgery on his hip. They, they give him a hip replacement. And uh, he's the only person that I've ever heard of that was doing pistols, one-legged squats on a hip replacement. I mean, you don't know what I'm talking about. I was going to have Corey demonstrate, but he, he chickened out on me. You know, it's when you do a squat with one leg, except you go a little further than that down and you stand by. He was doing it on a replacement hip. I can't hardly do it on this hip. Unbelievable athlete. 
unreal how good he was. Well, he went through physical therapy. He, he put in the work. He put in the time. He put in the effort. And ultimately, he comes back to play baseball. And April the 3rd, I'm sorry, in April of 1993, he went to play baseball for the White Sox. His mother had passed away in this time frame, though, and I don't know had the exact date. But he made a statement um, to reporters. He said, I'm dedicating my first at bat to my mom. My mom had just passed away, and I'm dedicating my first at bat to her. And, of course, the critics said, well, there's no way he'll ever be able to hit like he used to. There's no way he'll be able to be the athlete he used to be. His first at bat, he steps up, and he puts it over the left field fence. Home run, first at bat. Just an unbelievable athlete. I grew up watching this man play football and play baseball, and I may or may not have even owned a couple of his shirts. You know, the Bo Nose shirts? There was a commercial that says, Bo don't know diddly. I think you remember that one? If you're my age, you, you remember Bo Jackson. But if you're younger and you didn't grow up watching him play ball, chances are you don't know anything about him. Well, why am I talking about a professional athlete on Sunday morning? Let me tell you why. Um, few of you in this room will go on to play professional football or professional baseball. Some of you may. I mean, you may. But very few of you, the, you know, the percentages are, are slim of the people that will actually go on to play professional sports. But the reason I say this is because we have an opportunity as the body of Christ to make an investment in something or in someone that is far greater than any achievement any of us could ever accomplish on a football field, a baseball field, in the workplace, or anywhere else. And it comes down to the invitation. This, if you're taking notes, this is your second point. The greatest impact that we can have begins with an invitation. You see, each one of us received an invitation to be here today. You were invited to the table. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could have a seat here. But my question to you is this. Who do you need to invite to the table? I want you to think about that for just a second. Some of you may be listening in right now, driving down the road on our podcast, and there's somebody that comes to mind. Who do you need to invite to the table? You know, the greatest threat to our future, however, is forgetting our past. This morning we were having a meeting um, in prayer before our services start started. And I asked the people that were in the room, I said, do you remember the day that you gave your life to Christ? And we all took a moment and, and shared. And there were so many testimonies from as a child, as a teenager, um, and my, myself. It was from an invitation that a friend gave me to church. It was at a Valentine's banquet of all times. I went for the girls. I was 14, and there were supposed to be girls there. Well, I don't think there was any girls there. But I found Jesus. And I ended up giving my life to Christ. But it started with an invitation. And that invitation began to build the foundation that God grew through me for the years that followed. But it begins with an invitation. But we can't forget our past. Can I have an amen? You know, there was part of me that wanted to have a microphone today and just walk around and just let you share your testimony. How cool would that be? I mean, honestly, I didn't want to stop today. There were, I don't know, 15, 20 people in the room. I, I didn't want to stop. I just wanted to continue to hear the testimonies of how God had worked in their life. One person 
was sitting right here. And she said, it was the lady that was cutting my hair inviting me to church that ultimately led to me giving my life to Christ. Two other people, it was during a youth rally where an invitation came that invited them in. Listen, we cannot forget the past. We have to remember. The reason we're doing a Good Friday service this year during Easter is because, you know, every year we typically have multiple Easter services. And we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. But we can't forget about Good Friday. Good Friday was good for us, but it wasn't good for Jesus. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me so that we could be here today. Without that sacrifice... Where would our life be? The Israelites knew our tendencies or their tendencies to forget the past. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you look at Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, we see where God appointed Joshua when Moses passed. And this story tells us about a time when God shut off the water so that they could cross the Jordan. It says, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a what? A memorial to the people of Israel forever. Every stone was a memorial. Why did they do that? So they wouldn't forget what God had done. We have to remember, church, how far God has brought us. You see, remembrance bursts respect, and it gives faith and hope to a future don't underestimate the story of the past. Someone invited you to the table. Who do you need to invite to the table with you? More specifically, what invitation are you given that will outlast your life? Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is why we give an invitation. But I've heard people say, I feel a little weird inviting people to church because I'm still trying to get my life together. The first few times I heard that, I, it kind of shocked me. But that's exactly what the enemy wants to do, is convince you that until you get your life together, you shouldn't bring anyone else to the table. I've even heard people say, well, if I was a leader in the church like you, I would invite people to church too. Listen to me. Do you know how many times leaders mentioned in Scripture? If you take the King James Bible, six times. Do you know how many times servant is mentioned? 900 times. We need to stop having so many leader conferences and start having some servant conferences. Can I have an amen? God called us to be servants. But why don't we invite people? Listen to me. You're in a room right now filled with flawed, messed up people. Look at your neighbor and say, you messed up. I love it. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Y'all took a little too much time doing that, didn't you? 
That's the most interaction I've had in three weekends is telling your neighbor they messed up. We need to pray more before service. Listen, this is a room full of people that without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we'd be nothing. And I'll tell you something else. If you wait until you have your life figured out and you have it together, you'll never invite anyone to church. You'll never invite anyone to the table. I'm going to tell you what, your pastor's still trying to figure it out. I come from brokenness, man. I've made mistakes out of this world. But God, everybody say, but God. But God. This year, my prayer is that as a church, we're able to share the love of Jesus with more people than we've ever been able to. Why are we here? New Life Church is here to bring our friends and family to become what? Fully devoted followers of Christ. You have to bring them to the table, though. You have to give the invitation. You know, the thing about it is studies show that most families only come to church twice a month. I don't know about you, but I can't, I, I can't even fathom eating twice a month. I mean, that wouldn't be good, would it, Chad? We're going to eat more than twice a month, aren't we? We're going to come together, especially if he's cooking. I don't, if, let me just tell you right now, if anybody tells you that Chad is cooking, you better show up because this brother can cook. I think we need to have a cook-off between you and Cody Stales. Cody in here, he was your last service. And I'm going to be the judge. My heart is that more people come to know Jesus this year than ever before. But we're going to have to invite them. There's somebody on your heart right now that God's laying on your heart right now. If you were honest, don't lie in church. Is there somebody that you think of right now, Ron, that you could invite to church? There he is in there. What about you, Adam? Is there somebody that comes to mind right now? Man, I wish they were here. It does for me. And it does for all of us. But if we wait till we think we've got our lives together before we invite someone to the table, look at Matthew. If we go to the Gospels in the book of Matthew, I want you to look how Matthew, that wrote the Gospel of Matthew, describes himself. I want you to pay very close attention. This is Matthew 10, verses 2 through 4. It says, These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. I want to pause right here for a second. Why did Matthew make it a point in this gospel to let everyone know that he was a tax collector? He didn't say Peter the fisherman, but he said what? Matthew the tax collector. There wasn't anybody in Israel at this time that was hated more than tax collectors. They were the lowest of lows. And here Jesus has invited him to the table. What about Simon the Zealot? You know the only people that zealots hated worse than the Romans? Tax collectors. And what does Jesus do? He brings them to the same table together. Everybody say, God has a plan. And I have a purpose. He had a plan and a purpose for Matthew. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. But sometimes we get to a place where we don't recognize what it is that God's trying to do in our life. 
I think about the road to Emmaus, and you guys can go back and study this at a later time. I don't have time this morning. But Jesus has already been crucified, and his disciples are on the road to Emmaus. And what happens? Their heads down, they're distraught, and Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, what's up, guys? Now, maybe that's not the words he used, but y'all get my point. They're like, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened? They don't even recognize Jesus. He's there with them, right there. And they don't even recognize him. Do you, do you not know what's happened? All the hope had been lost for them. They thought, like, what are we going to do? They've killed our king. Until they sat down at the table together. And at the table, they recognized Jesus. Think about it. Let me ask you this. Who do you know right now in your life that's going through life in a place where they're so down, they're so discouraged, they feel like the weight of the world is upon them, and they feel like they're doing life by themselves? You and I know that Jesus hasn't left them, right? He's standing right there with them but they can't recognize it. I just want to ask you a question for a second. What if your invitation of them coming to the table and one moment in the presence of God, they realize, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I don't have to go through this storm alone? Listen, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I was thinking this morning, in this room, and this was before service even started, and we had different stages. We had people mourning the loss of a loved one that we just had the funeral for yesterday. We had other people celebrating what God had done on a mission trip. Both ends of the spectrum. That's what happens at the table. We come together. We support one another. We go to the Word of God. We don't just pull things out of the air. We filter the things that we're going through in life through His Scripture, through His Word. And this is where our hope comes from. It's not in this world. It's not in accomplishments. It's not in the success that we may or may not have achieved in the workplace. It's right here. say, well, how can my invitation have an impact? My, my prayer for you is this. There's a rave card in your seat or in the seat next to you. It's a little bitty. It'll fit right in your pocket, strategically designed that way. Somebody tested me. Fit there, didn't it? My prayer is that everyone in this room invites one person to come experience the Easter story. Just one. You say, well, I'm just one person. Just one, just one person. I want to give you a very good example of what one person's obedience can look like on the big picture. We've got a couple of maps, but before we put them up, don't put them up just yet. At the beginning of the year, God placed something on my heart to start a strategic outreach team for our church. 
And the reason, we, the reason I wanted to do this isn't to see where we're doing good. No, what I wanted to see were the weaknesses, the pockets of area that, that we're not reaching people. As you guys know, local outreach is huge to our church. That's why we have City Serve. That's the reason we have the Christmas Mall. It's the reason we do the Thanks Serving that we do. Because that's what God's called us to do, right? You guys agree with that? But I wanted to see, I wanted to see where we were weak. So I started praying about it, and as God usually does, he sent someone in my path. And as a member of this church that he kind of specializes in this type of thing of, of putting data together. And I'm a visual person. I have to see things on paper, you know. I mean, you can give me a list of addresses, but I, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything to me. But if you can put it on a map, and I can put that map on my wall, I can see something. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I got to see this map for the first time on Friday. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I had no plans of showing this this weekend. But I think it's important that you, because this reflects you, not New Life Church, this reflects you. But there's two maps. The first one is the state of Arkansas. Can we put that one up? Now, this one really doesn't tell you a whole lot. But what this one says is everybody, that the blue houses, the blue houses are people that have decided to make New Life Church Greenbrier their home. And you've been through Connect and you filled out a membership covenant and you say, it's for me and my house, this is where our family is going to come to church. You have the opportunity to do that when you go through Connect, if this is going to be your home, to become a member. Well, the red dots that you see are just from one outreach. That red dot represents a home that we were able to deliver food to just during Thanksgiving. This is not the Christmas mall. This is not anything to do with the city serve. This is one event from 2022. And as a matter of fact, now I'm going to say this, those spots are accurate. There are more dots that we couldn't confirm the address when we run it through a system, and we didn't put them up there. So there's more than even what's there. But now I want you to go to the next map, and I want to show you what an invitation will do. Do you notice that this is Faulkner County? Do you see the outline? I want you to look at an invitation. Do you see this one down here? All the way to Jacksonville. A family. Look at the northwest corner. Look at the northeast corner. What does that, what does that tell you? That's an impact in six different counties from right here in this little bitty town of Greenbrier, Arkansas. I'm going to tell you something else that we know. We know that those red stars, there's many that have turned into little blue homes that have become members and that have been coming to the table weekly. Part of our family are at the table. Why? How do we convert red stars to blue houses? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. You can take that map now. I want you to listen to me for just a second. 
God called us not just to come in here and be discipled, but to then go out and disciple others. But it begins with an invitation. But you can't forget your past. You can't forget how far God has brought you. I mean, so many of you are shaking your head. You can't forget how far God has brought you. Or you underestimate the value of the invitation. I'm going to extend a challenge to you for just a second. This is not in my notes. I want you to do something for me. Moms, dads, I want you to listen to me for just a second. Kids, I want you to listen to me. Young adults, listen to me. Tonight, when you sit down at the dining room table with your family... I want you to have a topic of conversation around your table today. Not tomorrow, not next week. That topic of conversation is, I want you to share with your family the moment that you gave your life to the Lord. Share with your kids. Kids, share with your parents. I've shared this testimony with you guys before. My dad, salt of the earth. Hardest working man I know. He was my best friend and dad packed into one. We were inseparable. We hunted together. We worked together. We were together all the time. But when I was 17, my father passed away. Do you know we never had a conversation in our home about the Lord? Now, my dad was great people, hard worker. But I didn't grow up in, on a church pew like some of you did. As a kid, I, I didn't have that luxury. But I do remember the day that my dad received a diagnosis and the doctor looked across his desk and he looked him in the eye and he said, Mr. Powell, you better get your affairs in order because you don't have long to live. I'll never forget that statement. I'll never forget the drive. From Little Rock, Arkansas, and back to Conway that day. I'll never forget it. I walked in my room and I opened up a Bible and I began to read the Word of God. This was a pivotal moment in my life. That's how God can take what enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. And I began to read the Word. And I read it from cover to cover. And I began to find hope in a time when it didn't feel like there was any hope. But you know what else I learned as I studied the Word of God? I learned that you don't get to heaven by being a good man, a hard-working man, a man of his word? No. No, the word of God says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, then we will be saved. You know, I never had that conversation with my dad before he took his last breath, and I was there when he took it. For two years, I struggled with that. I mean, I'm just being transparent with you. I struggled with that. Man, I, I wrestled with God. I got mad at God. I was like, why did you let this happen? Why did you take my dad from me? Where is my dad? Is he spending eternity with you? Is he in hell? These are the questions that's going through my mind. Two years after my father passed away, I received confirmation that my dad had given his life to the Lord many years before. That's a great place to give God some praise. But wait a minute. 
Why didn't I know that before? Because we never had the conversation. Don't let your head hit the pillow tonight without having that conversation with the people that you love. Even if you've had it before, remind them. Remind them. Because I'm going to tell you what, there's power in your testimony. And each one of you had an invitation at some point in your life. I'm about to give an invitation in just a moment. I'm going to give you an invitation that will allow you to come to the table. There are some of you in this room right now that you have a strong relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've drifted off path a little bit, but you know that if you took your last breath today where you would spend eternity. And there's others in this room right now that you're still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing and you're still trying to determine if this is real or not. Can I just tell you that it's real? And if you don't believe it's real, you come see me. I've watched God do miracle after miracle after miracle. Only that God can do. Did God do any miracles in Cuba? He did. Has God ever done any miracles in Greenbrier, Arkansas? He has. It starts with an invitation. But you have to, you have to accept that invitation. These little cards that you're going to hand to someone is an invitation to the table. It's not up to you to save someone. Kevin, you can't take this card and go save someone with it. But what you can do is take this card and invite someone and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. It's not up to you. It's up to God. But we know this, one moment in God's presence will change a life forever. Am I right? The last point on your handouts is a blank. It's simply a place for you to determine who you're going to invite. And I want you to fill that blank out. There's somebody on your heart right now that you love, that you've been praying for, that you've been battling for, that you hope comes to know Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you what, he's not just a way. He is the only way. And he went through a lot for us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have a seat at his table. I want you to bow your heads, please. No one looking around. When I think back of the testimonies that sit in this room right now, I see the stories. You know, I shared with you guys about six weeks ago. For several months when I walk on this stage, I don't see you by name. And I'm sorry, I just, I don't see your name. There's times I can't even remember your name, but I remember your story. I remember the first time we met. I remember your testimony that you shared with me. I remember the times when your marriage was struggling and when you didn't think you were going to make it through there. I remember the times when you were struggling with addiction, but God showed up. I remember the times when, when you didn't know that there was any hope in this world but God. I've sat on the floor with some of you in tears, weeping. But God. Do you have that hope today? Have you made that decision? 
to answer that invitation to the table? Well, if you hadn't, you have that opportunity right now. With no one looking around, no one getting up and leaving, I want to ask this very simple question. I hope that everybody in this room has already made the decision, but if you haven't, don't wait. Come to the table. If that's you and you say, you know what, I've never made the decision to invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins. Or maybe you made it many, many years ago and you found yourself on the wrong path, headed the wrong direction, and it's time to recommit your life. The Lord knows which one you are. But it starts with a decision. If you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. No one leaving, no one looking around. Is there anyone here? Yes, ma'am, I see you. Anyone else? I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to ask you this question. If there's somebody, when I say, that needs an invitation to the table, and somebody instantly comes to mind, would you stand up for them right now? If there's somebody that you want to come to the table. You know the name. You see the face. You know their story. You know who they are. And your prayer is that, God, they will show up at the table. Is there somebody that maybe is even in a different town, a different state, even a different country that maybe you know haven't made that decision, but you're battling for them and you're praying that they'll come to the table? You see, right now, what you're doing is you're standing in the gap for that person. And you're battling for that person. Don't stop. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop battling for them. Don't give up on them because Jesus didn't give up on you. The word says we're two or more gathered. There too I am. God is here and he sees your prayers and he knows who you're standing for right now. So let's just lift them up. Father God, I thank you so much for every soul that is being represented this, this morning, right now in this room. For the people that are standing up saying, you know what, I'm battling, I'm fighting for this person. We just speak against any plans the enemy has to try to hinder that growth or that opportunity. And Father, we're just praying right now that as we approach the Easter season that we, one, we don't forget the magnitude and the importance of what you did for us on that cross. We get to celebrate your resurrection, but we can't forget the cross. It's a good Friday for us, but it wasn't a good Friday for you. And God, I thank you for the way that you went all out. For those this morning that raised their hand and said, I want to give my life to you. Father, I just ask that they pray with me. Say, Lord God, forgive me of my sins. The ones that I remember and the ones that I have forgotten all about. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. God, we need you in this place. We need you in our families. We need you in our homes. We need you in our schools. We need you in our workplace. We need you every step that we take. And God, I pray that 
There's not a person in this room that leaves the dining room table today or tonight without sharing their testimony, the moment, the time. There may be someone listening in right now that's driving home from out of town, maybe just happened to come across this message online. Share that moment with your spouse. Share it with your children. There's so much power in our testimony, but there's also so much comfort. So, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for everything that you're doing and everything that you've already done. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? Listen, we're just a couple of weeks away from Easter. People will come to an Easter service that wouldn't come any other time throughout the year. And I encourage you, take that card, invite someone, and let's let God do the rest of the work. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.